This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. And if you haven't been paying that much attention to this subject recently, it's understandable. There's a lot going on in the world, but Michigan is still grappling with how to implement its new legal recreational marijuana market. And it turns out during the pandemic, the market is actually kind of booming. That's right. However, though, there is an issue of social equity going on in the marijuana business. And to talk a little bit more about this, we have brought on MLive reporter Gus Burns. Gus, thank you so much for joining us. You've been following this quite a bit. Yes, I have. Thank you for having me. So, Gus, uh, here in Detroit specifically, there's a lot of conversation around this social equity piece. Uh, really quickly, talk about uh, what people are trying to achieve by adding this to their ordinances. Well, I mean, there's basically been prohibition against marijuana for so long, and it negatively impacted a lot of lives with the law enforcement. And basically, people are try- now that it's legal and ter- turned into a business, they're trying to give people who were negatively affected an opportunity to benefit from that. Talk to us about sort of what are the ways that uh, people are going about trying to fix this social inequity that's been going on. So far, they have not been that successful. I mean, the idea was to get people negatively affected into the business realm. And they're offering things such as discounts on application fees, discounts on um, licensing fees, which can be pretty substantial for some of the, the major licenses like retail licenses. Um, But they haven't really found anyone who's gotten through the qualification process yet. And part of that is because there's kind of a catch 22 with the, with the laws right now, you've got to have a medical license, medical business license before you can get a recreational business license and the rules in the medical license prohibit anyone with drug distribution charges. So it kind of, those are the people that are actually targeting with the program. So it kind of blocks a lot of them from accessing the social equity. Are there things that could happen, changes in policy at the state level uh, or or otherwise that would make this easier? Because as of right now, uh, it essentially means that uh, the entire market is sort of in limbo in many areas of the state. Right. Uh, People don't want to move too fast with their recreational laws like in Detroit because they're worried that it's going to get overtaken by these people with big pockets rather than, you know, as many locals or people who are negatively impacted. So I want to make sure that's in place. And the state is expanding who's who can access the program it's based on how many um drug arrests there were during a certain period of time before marijuana was legal and also poverty levels so they've lowered the poverty levels and now it's up to about 180 communities who are eligible for the program and um the other thing that they're trying to do is the prerequisite that you already have a medical license business before you can get recreational which is holding a lot of people back may be lifted come November. And if not, it'll be lifted in December 21 based on the the way the law was written. And that'll open it to more possible applicants for the social equity program. So Gus, talk to us about some of the more forward-looking aspects of this. You've kind of touched on that, but what is the outlook for this situation? Um, I mean, I think it's good. Everyone's thinking about it. And and for instance, in Detroit, where they're saying, hey, we're not going to move forward until we get this right. And so the state wants people to get it right. And they also want people to get into this new industry because there's a lot of tax revenue that's going to be coming from it and is written into the law that this has to be a part of the licensing laws. So, um, yeah, I mean, the state is taking an active role in it. They're making more people eligible and they are um, providing resources for people who think they're eligible under the social equity 
rules and helping them get into the business. And then also talking about lifting this prerequisite that they say is they believe is blocking a lot of people from getting into the industry. And that, like I said, that they said they're leaning towards it is the quote from director Brisbo, who's head of the marijuana regulatory agency. So I think probably in November that will be lifted and then that will give more access to people who have been either live in communities that were negatively impacted or have personally been negatively impacted. James Tate uh, here in Detroit, council member James Tate, sort of had a long reputation as not being a big fan of opening up the city to marijuana sales, even under the the medical system. And now he's the one taking the lead on the recreational portion and getting the social equity portion in place uh, for Detroit. But I think that there are probably people wondering if this might be a stall tactic. Uh, I'm curious if you can weigh in on that concern uh, and if, if there's any legitimacy to that. I mean, I guess, of course, it's possible. I don't really, I mean, it seems like it's inevitable that Detroit is going to have recreational marijuana. It's just a matter of when. I mean, before the licensing laws even went into place, there were hundreds of of dispensaries operating in Detroit. Most of them got shut down, Um, but they've had medical marijuana and they accepted medical marijuana and they've got legal businesses operating under that, those guidelines. And I think, I think, uh, Councilman Tate is just worried there's already this built up industry there under the medical market and those aren't necessarily local Detroiters or people who've been negatively impacted so he wants he wants the people of Detroit to benefit and he's worried that these other big companies that are already there or established are going to take up all the space. Gus, how do these communities find that balance? Um and, and the balance I'm thinking of is, you know, you're going to have these sort of bigger industries coming in. You know, it is a new market and it's a free market. But how do they find that balance between making sure that, you know, the locals are able to take part in this new industry? Well, I mean, it's it's very complicated to get into the industry. So in, in that regard, I think places like Detroit are kind of handling it properly. They're giving people who might be interested time um, because if you open it up tomorrow, there are sophisticated companies out there with a lot of money backing them that will have their applications done in a day and submitted where other people who might want to get into the industry, it's going to take them a lot longer. And that's why the state has offered resources. Um, and, and it's also, it's going to come down to the local community because they're ultimately deciding who's going to operate, how many people are going to operate and how they're going to select who's going to operate. So it's really on the local government to decide if they're going to make way for people impacted negatively by previous prohibition. It's been a little while since we talked about how the market is looking here in Michigan, uh, here on Mishmash. Uh, Give us sort of a bigger picture look at uh, what's been going on, especially during the pandemic. Have we seen, uh, you know, some growth? Have we uh, seen some contraction? What's been what's been happening? Um, It's been dramatic growth over the last five months. I mean, right after the stay home orders went into effect, I mean, I reached out to the MRA and asked, you know, are you guys one of the businesses that had to close down? And quickly, I think within a day or two, it was put out that, you know, they were being considered among the essential businesses and they were allowing curbside pickup. And there were were a lot of rules, things that were put into place that didn't exist before. They were expediting delivery services. So it kind of changed the way the market works and people were doing more online orders and picking up rather than perusing stores. And I think in some ways it made it more efficient and more accessible. Uh, and uh, especially with delivery. I mean, there's, there's some companies that are delivering 
four counties away. And consequently, the uh, revenue has been going way up um, every month. Um, I think I, it was an average of like 30% profits per month increasing or increases in sales per month throughout the last five months. And I guess one big landmark was July for the first full month of sales, they surpassed medical, which has been around, you know, um, a year and a half or, or more longer. And there are way more medical dispensaries licensed in the state, about twice as many as there are retail for adult use. And it just shows how fast the adult use market or recreational market is increasing sales and how big it's probably going to get. I mean, they're expecting it to get even within the next year from October through the, the through the October 21, and they're expecting maybe over a billion dollars in recreational sales. Since you brought up the issue of uh, medical marijuana, I just wanted to check in with you. So what is the situation now with recreational and medical marijuana? What's the sort of latest check-in on, on the, the, the balance between those two? Well, I mean, the balance is uh, people are kind of forced to have medical because of these, like I said, a prerequisite. You can't get an adult use license unless you have a medical license. So that kind of was established to make sure that the people who started the industry, the, you know, the medical businesses weren't, they, they had a leg up. And then also to ensure that patients who were using these to get their medicine, their, their products didn't just vanish from the shelves. And we know there's been huge shortages of different types of items and marijuanas or flowers um, in the uh, recreational side. But the way, that, the way they've got it set up is you can transfer product from, from your medical side to your recreational side, but only like half of it. Um, so you, you always gonna, you're always going to have medical product on hand. And some store owners I've, I've spoken with said that things you cannot get on the recreational side, like vaping cartridges, they're always sold out. And they still have that on the medical side. So it, right now, there's still access for medical, but it seems like it's going to be fading away, especially when they get rid of that prerequisite. A lot of people aren't going to want to pay the huge licensing fees for a medical license when that's only representing about 15% of their total sales. MLive reporter Gus Burns, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on Mishmash. Thanks a lot for having me.